fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. The local legend that is Rich the Kid Shapu. Thanks for joining us, my man. Wow, thanks for the intro there. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. My first podcast. So that was Cody Jacobs, and boy, fuck, we had that guy on for a while. Appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm, I'm glad it only took 27 episodes to get me on here. But... <laughs> on the phone joining us now on the Pucks and D podcast is Mark Vanderluck. Welcome to the show. It's tough, right? Because Dutch people just love to be difficult with the last name spelling. I think we might have Alex Hobson on the line. Hey, uh, can you hear us, buddy? Most definitely don't have him. No. Oh, I'm hearing like a chair creak in the background. That was our first attempt to bring uh, Alex Hobson into the program. It's public information. Coleman, you there, boss? Hey, look at this guy. Sorry, I was, I was having some issues with the board. I'm, I'm all good to go now. Y'all all right, well, listen. Can you hear me there, Alex? Fucking right. I can good, we're fucking right okay. live here. Well, we're just going. We're live here with Tyler Mataraz from SiriusXM NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. You might actually be our 1,000th listener, Tyler. We, we at, at the sound of the recording <laughs> here, we were at 999, so... Ooh, boys, I, right when we get off the phone here, I'm, I'm going to listen to the, like, the episode just <laughs> yeah. on the thousand. Right, I want to yeah. see the Tyler bump, too, from this. Pleased to welcome, for the first time, Jake Hahn, a host down at SiriusXM NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. Thanks for joining the Pucks and D podcast, my friend. Uh, well, I appreciate the amazing intro there, Josh. That's, that's, that's awesome. Long overdue to be on this podcast, by the way. And you guys do a great job on, on the Pucks and Deep podcast. And when we had, get, got to have you in studio, it was great to meet you. You're just a real stand-up guy. So I'm glad to be on for the first time. Hopefully it's the first of many. You guys, just a podcast king right now. Also a fantasy hockey contributor on Sportsnet.ca. So first off, uh, Nick Alberga, welcome to the Pucks and Deep podcast, my man. Thanks for joining us. Boys, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And- Jacob is absolutely a man rocket. He's got a striking <laughs> resemblance to like Darwin Barney, eh? It's true. It's so true with that chiseled chin. Yeah, it's so man, like that guy's a weapon. That's all I'll say. But that I always, I am always told by the uh, the folks on Bumble and Tinder that I got a face for radio, so we'll stick with that. Really excited to announce our our first Twitter verified guest, Maple Ontario native, former assistant coach with the Guelph Storm former Pittsburgh Penguin, and former Toronto Maple Leaf, current associate coach with the Kingston Frontenacs, Luca Caputi. Yeah, that's great. Uh, pleasure. To, uh, thanks for having me. Anything you guys need. At the very least, I'm glad we were able to help you remember that third NHL goal. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, great, great time uh, being on here, and I uh, wish you guys nothing but the best and all the success in the world. Next guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways. Longtime Leafs TV host, legend in the industry, the one, the only, Mr. Paul Hendrick joins the Pucks and Deep podcast here today on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Thanks again for joining us here, Paul. Well, thank you. And first of all, we are in Ontario, so you know we're not golfing, and that's so ridiculous. Uh, but I did just do uh, my 2.7-kilometer uh, climb up a hill near Collingwood here and have just finished it. So it's near a golf course, so uh, I think that counts for some. Luke Fox from Sportsnet, thanks a lot for joining us, my friend. Really, really appreciate you giving us your time here in the Pucks and Deep podcast. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, invite me back at the end of the season. We'll see how I did on all those predictions. All right, sounds good. We'll make it a date. Thanks again, Luke. Okay, okay take care, guys. Welcome, Mr. James Duffy 
to the Pucks in Deep podcast. James, thanks for joining the boys here tonight. Uh, boys, it's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Because I don't get to talk much on TV, right? When I'm hosting, I talk for 10 or 15 seconds. And when I'm on a podcast, it's my time. So just let me go. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep, just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep, pucks deep. Pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman. That's right, folks. In case you haven't heard, we did it. We got rid of the mouse. <laughs> you are such an asshole. <laughs> you are such an asshole. Of course. That's all. what all the hype was about before the show, was, was the mouse capture and release. <laughs> Wait. Okay. But it, Go but ahead. It, but it is a special day. It is a very special day. And before I continue, did you actually think that I was that that's where I was going when I said no. we did it. We got rid of the mouse. No, did, no, you 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 thought that I was going to deliver. We did it. We did it, folks. We made it to a hundred episodes. Yeah, and you totally just I just hijacked it, and ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What a way to bring it. it in, though. What a way it's to bring true, it in. Man. A whole it's true. a whole uh, long ass intro for you, just to go over some highlights, I guess, of the show and some some of the great guests we've had, and of course. We've got Luke Fox coming up as well. Luke to Fox tonight. Celebrate the 100th episode down at Leafs Camp. Going to give us all the lowdown of what's going on. Yeah. So that'll be awesome. He's boots on ground, man. So it's a great opportunity. Worked out great in, in, in terms of timing. And oh, yeah. I mean, in case the listeners are, you know, sitting back in their lazy boys or on the way home from a hard day's work, they're probably thinking to themselves, you know, these guys have it all figured out timing wise. They kind of. They don't deliver for a little bit, but then once they start delivering, it's, you know, it's current, it's topical, and they get the guests on. They got, you know, the Leaf guy, boots on ground, coming on the show just before the season starts, and that's really not how it works at all. Let's go, you and I just kind of float along and figure out when we're going to do this and hope that our guests will be willing. Two episodes in less than a week, that's a very high output for us. You're right, it is, Um, but... Contrary to what I just said about us having it all figured out timing-wise, we really do not because we had to do that, <laughs> right? I remember thinking, okay, we're leading up to 100. I mean, we should probably try and do something special. And, I mean, not for lack of, not for lack of effort, we are doing something special. We were able to get Luke Fox on. That's a fantastic 100th episode, Leafs preview. The season is right around the corner. Let's go. People are drafting their fantasy teams as we speak it's an exciting time of year and it's an exciting time to be a host of the pucks and d podcast and i do want to offer you my uh raise our beers on the show cheers my man we did it here's to 100 more buddy sure that should take us three years ish i think it might be how long did it take us three years to get this far yeah Yeah. well yeah Mm -hmm. september of uh 2018 is when we started. Now, be four years then. Yeah, so four co- years, hundred episodes. COVID obviously wreaking some havoc. Yeah, in lack there as of well. Hockey, lack of content, lack of winning. Also, I think factors into that. I think we would have had more podcasts sure. in the uh, 
not only like the warmer obvi- months. Well, yeah, but like if the Leafs are able to continue their playoff run past one round, then we would have more episodes to deliver because of that fact. And then if they went far enough into the playoffs, my goodness, we would probably have a few episodes in the off season because we'd be all excited about it, you know? But instead it was like, oh, yeah, now they lost again. So. Yeah, if they actually go somewhere, <laughs> we're going to have to find a way to record the podcast from my boat because well, it's going to be June. Well, like we didn't even we didn't even um, decompress. We didn't have a decompress podcast. No. We, we had thought- Duffy on for the Masters, and then we were like, hey, Duffy, do you think they're going to win a round? And he said, he said yes. Well, he took about eight minutes to say maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 97, guy on the left featuring James Duthie, another one of our great guests that we've had on the show. And yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, we've got a guest coming tonight. Let's go. But I did want to take a little bit of time and just kind of chat with you as my buddy four years ago when we decided to do the podcast. And I, I think I remember saying to you that one of the one of the greatest reasons to start it was because I bet you we're going to win soon. We're probably going to like win soon. And we're I want to ride some coattails. Yeah. I <laughs> didn't mean win a cup or sorry, win a round. I meant win a cup. Right. We're, we might win soon. Like look at the, the wins of, you know, <laughs> they're changing. You know, we got this going on. We got Matthew's kid coming in. It's going to be great. I'm not saying we're going to win immediately, but we should start a show because I think it'll be relatively soon before we win and then we started the show and we were still struggling under Babcock <laughs> like I was you know playing back some of our older episodes in honor of the 100th and it's been uh it's been a grind you and I man we've been through a lot yeah like so much has changed and the Leafs haven't it seems like as well, the, far as the results yeah goes, there you go I always thought too and uh I guess with them being good it gave us lots to talk about and in more of a positive way, whereas like the stories, the commentary around the team had been so negative for so long and like abysmally negative. Right. You know, I couldn't imagine having done this in like, say, 2008 to 2012, oh, or my 2012 goodness. to 2014 or, no. or what that would sound like. Or 2014 to the Matthews first year. That yeah. would have been, uh, like like you said, abysmal podcast yeah, right there. To, to make it there, it would be even interesting just to, to like listen to a podcast, that stre- like a Leafs podcast that stretches throughout that time of period. Time wow. Because, you know, yeah, we're Leaf, you know, people who are Leaf fans and all that always love the content, but I imagine the tone of it's got to be so much different from what it once was. But it's funny, like if you remove the podcasting thing and just look at Leaf fans in general – they're already well past being rational about how the team once was. Not that long ago. Not that long ago, it was so bad that it was just a joke every night. Like, we were hoping to finish last, and then we did. And then we got Matthews, and it was supposed to turn around, and it kind of did. But for a lot of the fans, that four short years of time, they're already over it. It's like, I don't care. Well, it's I, need like them to already, I need them to win now. They've already forgot about what it was like to not make the playoffs for like a, almost a decade. a decade. That's what I mean. Right? Like, holy shit. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Got the friggin' Rocket and Heart winner on here. Like, let's dial it back a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. I mean, overall, dude, 100 episodes. Uh, I'm really glad that we got together to, to do the show. I don't think either of us would have said you know, after episodes one through whatever, like the first couple of months, let's say episodes one through 10. I don't think either of us would have said, yeah, this is going so well that I think we could get, you know, 
uh, Matthew Barnaby on the show. I didn't even put Barnaby no, in didn't. the show. Look at that. At least you can shout him out. Yeah, you know what? Now we got to spend some time talking about Barnaby. How do I miss Barnaby on the whole rundown? Tough go for me. I spent Tough a lot go. of well, I spent a lot of time on that intro, and now I'm really pissed off that I didn't even put him in there. But uh, anyways, yeah, like early on in our existence, do you really think that you would have looked back on it and said we're going to have professional hockey players, you know, former pros, I guess, on the show, Leafs uh, reporters, well, not in beat going writers, James Duffy, like going this far, like doing 100 episodes, never, you know. After a few, you're like, well, this is all right. We'll see how it goes. So it's good to still be here. It's good to still enjoy it. That's why we still do it. Right. That's why we put it out for there, uh, for all you people out there. Now, I guess, when did you retire from blogging and decided that maybe audio was the route for you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because this is a callback to last episode, if uh, you guys were listening. Right. Um, towards the end there, we brought up, uh, I was surprised in the first time we talked about it, but Coleman had a blog back in the day. And it was pretty good. I enjoyed reading it. And when did it die? Like 2014 or something? Um, so I have, yeah, 2014. Yeah. So Dude. we went through some stuff and pulled out, you pulled out some material for the show. Well, yeah. Some just takes just, to, just to see a, how they aged, yeah, right? Just a few things. Just a couple <laughs> of things. Honestly, I couldn't really pull too much out because it was basically when I started it, um, it was the playoffs. So it, it's very topical to the playoffs. It's no The 2013 playoffs? Uh, April of twenty or twenty twelve. Yeah, sorry, twenty twelve. Yeah, right. twenty twelve. Right. So it's not it's not good podcasting. I mean, basically though, if if you do check it out, it's still available. Um, I'm proud of like how it looks, given the fact that it was just me in the basement on a laptop, just trying yeah. to figure it out on some blogging website back in 2012. But anyway, yeah, I I found it interesting how the timing worked a bit less going like why did i even stop like it just kind of randomly stops and i even say like okay we'll see you guys next time and <laughs> like that was it it's kind of one of those things where it's like if you could remember the last time you played mini sticks you know wouldn't that be nice because would you tell yourself hey bro this is the last time you're ever gonna play mini sticks in your whole life right now hmm. you know and and I don't mean like playing mini sticks with your kid as a dad and saying, well, no, that counts. No, I mean like you, the kid, right, right. you, the kid playing hide and seek or something. Yeah. And be like, hey, bro, this is the last time you're going to play this game. So it was interesting for me to be like, why, why did I just randomly <laughs> stop doing it? I really did enjoy it. I had actual comments uh, on the on the articles. A lot of them were from like pe- people that just said anonymous. And I think that was people who either... Um, didn't put a name in. Well, I think if you don't register that, or they deleted, uh, enter it or something. Right? Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so like, here I'll read you the about me section, which is super corny, and I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how twenty-seven-year-old me approved of this, but yeah, uh, I, I like when I as soon as I pulled up, it says you're twenty-seven, so it gives you an idea of how long ago that was. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's still almost embarrassing that it's I'm doing. I should say seventeen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> It reads like it was some written by someone who's seventeen. No, it or... actually doesn't. You you yourself said they were good and you enjoyed right. reading them. That right. means they were well written. So they I, were. at twenty seven, I had an ability to to write well. I mean, I still I, I believe I do. Anyway, by, by twenty seven, you should have the yeah. ability to write well. Um. Okay. So it says Col- it's good for a seventeen. <laughs> so it says Coley. Hey, I am twenty seven years old and currently live in Pembroke, Ontario. I love hockey more than anything in the world. It really is all I think about twenty four seven. I mean, at that point, it was probably true. Uh, my goal in life is to one day broadcast hockey from coast to coast. 
I currently broadcast online for the local Tier 1 CCHL Junior A Pembroke Lumber Kings, who were the 2011 RBC National Champions. Ever since I was little, watching hockey has made me happy and comfortable, and because of this, I have become quite knowledgeable on the sport and the NHL in general. Bit of a fucking brag at the end there. Bit of a brag. Bit of a shoulder duster at the end there. But I think I think it was fair. I think I know less about hockey now, though, than I did back then. Because the line where it says, it really is all I think about 24-7. I think that was true. Because in April, I can pinpoint this, because in April of 2012... It would have been the first time in my life that I was single for a extended period of time. Like I went from having the 10-year high school sweetheart right. into university, almost married her right. relationship that kind of ended. And it was like, oh, what do I do now? What it do reads, I do it now? It reads like a single guy wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, I man. think about is 24-7 is hockey. hockey it's baby. like, all right. Except uh, for taking breaks to J.O. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still thinking about hockey ah, when I do there it. There you go. You know what I mean? Okay, uh, man. So anyway, that's the um, that's the intro. Check it out if you want. Um, dumpandchase.blogspot.com. So I have uh, one good and, and one bad. Okay, so the good. Um, on, on Wednesday, July the 11th, 2012, in one of my articles, I say, I may be in the, in the minority here, but I do believe James Reimer will return to form and be the guy that ended the season a couple of years ago on a very impressive run, almost squeaking into the playoffs. Um, so that summer was just prior to 2013, of course, which was the shortened season and uh, also the season of Reimer. If yes. we remember correctly, the only dragged reason, them kicking yeah. and stre- yeah. screaming into that playoff. Series. The only reason yeah. he was, it was fun. It was so much so that I ended up buying one of his jerseys. You oh know? yeah. Oh, it was on Mad Cow or whatever, but still, <laughs> Mad uh, cow. I want <laughs> Cash Cow, whatever it is. The other good thing, though, that I wanted to shout out to myself was Wednesday, August fifteenth, two thousand twelve. Uh, this was a very like I actually when, when I was reading this article, I I remembered sitting there writing it because I remember being really proud of it. So. I had a very detailed article, August 15, 2012, um, about the CBA negotiations and where that whole thing was at. What a time to blog, too, when the shortened season and all that. Well, yeah. yeah. And that, that is actually one of the reasons why it started was because I was having a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And back in 2012, I was very, very active on Facebook. Very, very super, active. Super, super. Well, think about it, though. Facebook was only four years old at that mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, wasn't as much of a cesspool. No, no. It was very more targeted, like to the people that you had in your friends list, not, not the whole world, not just getting served all this crap. Yeah. But now it's the whole world. Yeah. Uh, back then it was just who you had on your friends list. So it was more tight knit back then. And people were always shooting me messages and being like, Hey Coley, what do you think of this? Hey Coley. And I was like, man, I'm having like 18 different conversations with people. I'm just going to write a fucking blog. And then everyone can see what's up. And it was. It was it was working well. But uh, one of the main reasons I started it was because of that CBA. It was very confusing to, like, have those conversations in layman's terms, escrow and all, HRR and all this stuff. So um, that, was, that was one good thing, too, about it. It, it was still actually a fun read, um, reading back. Uh, on the bad one, uh, <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Um, so on October 8th, 2014, I said that newly, newly hired assistant GM Kyle Dubas will love Cody Franzen uh, from a Corsi perspective because <laughs> Dubas was just like 
we didn't know much about him then, other just, than that he was like a they super like numbers. <laughs> fancy stats guy. Yeah, like going money. You're ball. just making connections there. Yeah, I mean, well, be, I, I had also read that Cody Franzen had he did good course. Yeah, even when they were talking about like, well, I, I don't say they people were talking about bringing Cody Franzen back like a few years ago after like he. I think he like played a season in the K or something. Right. And it was, it was always boasting about his numbers, which were always really good. Yeah. Well, the only reason I said that was because my my favorite thing about Cody Franz in the whole time he was a Leaf, well, well, probably his whole career, was that he's good at getting pucks on the net. He is. Like he just was. little, little like... Uh, Snapshots. Yeah, like nothing crazy. I eh? just always kind of floating them towards the net. Quickly. Something that uh, yeah. Morgan Riley, I think, really does well. Instead of, you know, uh, always ripping pucks at net, he's just kind of tossing them like shin pad height so guys can get sticks on them. So. Right, 100%. Um, change of plans. Luke just told me that he's available. Do you want me to give him a ring? Uh, yeah, if you want to get right into that. I mean, we might as well. That way we'll have him as long as we can, right? There before, you go. Before the Leaf game is on. There you go. All right, well, let me just see if this works here. We'll get him on the line right now. Well, did you message him back first? You might want to do that. Oh, I told him that I was going to call him and that we were going to be live. There you go. So easy enough. Hello. The message should be good. Hey, Luke, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. How are you? All right on, right on. So you got me. Uh, Lesko, how about you? A little mic check there for old Luke Fox. You got me there, Luke? I hear you. Okay. Very good. Perfect, man. Well, listen, welcome aboard. It's 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 awesome to have you back. You're a familiar voice here on the Pucks in Deep podcast. You, you missed our intro, of course, Luke, but you'll have to throw back later. Uh, I kind of collaborated everyone that we've had on the show and you appear there. And uh, we're really happy that you could join us here for our special day, man, episode 100. Congratulations. That's no small accomplishment, 100 episodes. So tip of the cap to you guys. It's but a lot easier like, when you don't edit anything. We don't edit anything. <laughs> but let me ask you, though, Luke. Lesko said the same thing. I, I'm not sure if I'm fully appreciating the magnitude of, of episode 100. Like, I think it's great and all, but I, I felt like we were destined to go this far anyways. Like, sh- should I be surprised? Well, that's that's the right attitude. Right. It's like, uh, who cares? I, I always knew I was going to get 100. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, yeah, listen, uh, welcome aboard again. How's life um, chasing Leafs around camp? <clears throat> it's been busy. And the main reason why it's so busy is because they invite everyone to camp. So they have two full groups, like over 40 players. So – and and – Sheldon Keefe is, is working these guys hard. So some of the practices have been like an hour and a half to two hours long. And you times that by two because there's two groups. And so we do interviews uh, with the players after the first group. And then after the second group, we interview more players and then talk to Sheldon Keefe. So these are these are long days. I'm, I'm getting pretty excited for them to chop it down to one group. We saw a few Marlies cut today after practice but i'd like them to get it down to one group how uh impressive is that curtis douglas guy did you get a chance to chat with him because that guy is a specimen of a hockey player at six foot nine and i just can't help but root for this guy and it seems there's a bit of an online movement towards pulling for him as well yeah it'll be interesting to see if he gets in the lineup at some point like he's not making the team right out for opening night roster but he has something that 
no other leaf has and just the sheer size of them actually today i was walking behind him just happened to cross paths and i was just like you know i'm i spend a lot of time around hockey players but my jaw still kind of dropped like you say six foot nine but until you see a guy that's six foot nine and he's in skates it's like a, a towering presence you're just an uh, ant right next to yeah him. yeah you just feel like minute so uh <laughs> Yeah, this, this this guy's a, this guy's a beast. I'd like to see what it, what he looks like in an NHL game, and it, it's going to be interesting what Sheldon Keith does with his his fourth line. You know, they're bringing in uh, Zach Aston Reese on a tryout, and he he had more hits than any other Leafs forward last year. So it looks like they want um, to create more of an identity with that fourth line, and and who knows if an injury happens, maybe uh, Curtis gets a call up. And that's really exciting for me to hear, Luke, because as a um, as a volunteer with the Lumber Kings throughout the Keith era, it was very apparent to me that you know his championship style team was not only extremely skilled. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not like he coached some brats to a national championship. Okay, he had some great players, uh, just like he has now. He has a rocket and a heart and a Lindsay winner on his team. You know, so he's got the goods, but a part of his championship winning team involved being very difficult to play against. And I think the Leafs have done better uh, in recent years of being a more difficult team to play against, but it still hasn't been to where I think it needs to be. And I think where it needs to be is, and I don't want to sound too cliche here, but it's that moment where you win that closing game in the series when your opponent is showing the most you know, highest levels of desperation and you need to snuff it out. Um, and those players are, are really key for a championship run like that. So I'm really happy to hear that that's kind of what's developing already at camp before we drop the puck on the regular season. Yeah. And they got, they got at work the, the fourth line, right? Like in that Tampa series, the lightning had a really strong fourth line that knew its role that John Cooper trusted to throw over the boards in some difficult situations and basically, Keith shortened his bench, and he and he changed his fourth line. Basically, all year long, there was like this rotation, right? Like Simmons would sit, or Spezza would sit. Someone, someone from the Marlies would get called up. Then you know they tried uh, Nick Abrazizi in there for a little while at the end, and it was just kind of a mishmash. And they didn't have you never felt like oh boy, here comes the fourth line. They're going to deliver lots of energy, and I think that was kind of a, a goal of management in the off season um like i'm thinking about a guy like obey kubel I, I, like he's got some some nastiness to him and uh like guys who embrace that role and know that role and i think sheldon tried to instill that at the beginning of the tampa series by throwing out clifford and simmons um but then they just were running around and got into trouble too early and then they were kind of chasing it and then by the end of the series it felt like he didn't really trust his his uh, final line there that much. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to see that they've created a lot of internal competition for those jobs. And it really seems like it's wide open. Um, you kind of mentioned earlier the practices and, and the intensity level of uh, the way things are going right now. And uh, I think there was a, a quote from last week where Keith was just ripping the guys and then bag skated them. So I yeah. just wanted to ask, like, do you notice like a, a change in tactics or a change in the way that, uh, that Sheldon's running things this year, trying to uh, keep that level of intensity maybe a little bit higher and have them in more of that maybe carry over the mentality from the playoffs? 
Well, yeah, I did see that last week, and that's the first time I've ever seen him do that. You know, they weren't doing the drill that the way he wanted, and he just whistled it down and, and made them bag skate for a while and, and try again and, and ream them out a little bit. Uh, and that was the the top unit too. Like there was some of the, some of the big boys were in that skate when he did that. And I think he's just trying to keep their attention, keep their motivation high. Cause when you step back and think like, here we go, another camp, uh, another long season where really the only thing that matters at this point is, can they get it done in, in April and May? And so I think there, there's a challenge there. If you're the coach to, to keep people engaged, keep them motivated through uh, what is a pretty long camp when you consider that pretty much the whole team had been in town at, at least two weeks prior skating on the, the so-called captain skates by their own. Same thing, like they're told what drills to do and, and who to line up with. It's just the coaches aren't allowed on the ice until training camp. So these guys have been working for a long time and I could see why your mind would, would start to drift and, and might be hard to stay engaged especially when the the weather's nice and uh preseason games don't really matter that much so um yeah that the, there there's definitely an effort on keeps part to try to keep everyone focused and on task this uh these last couple of weeks and what about the bubble guys luke um do they have an ability to elevate you know practice or pace uh because as you mentioned some of the bigger guys they they know where they stand it's yeah. difficult for them to come in and say, oh, this is a really, really important camp, but it is. I mean, <laughs> the season's important. Everything's important. I mean, you guys can't just come in here and walk your way into a playoff position and, and, and then all of a sudden turn it on for the playoffs. You have to be grinding from the get-go. So some of these bubble players, NHL hopefuls, guys trying to remain in the league, do they offer anything in terms of uh, you know some pace to the drills and whatnot? Yeah, that like it's a, it's a good lev- level of pace and, and intensity. Lots of battle drills. Uh, often they chop the ice in like about two thirds and have little mini games of like three on three or four on four. Like they're constantly constantly working. And it the only real intrigue I think in camp is the bubble forwards. Like we know the the healthy six NHL defensemen they have who. It's just a matter of the pairings. We know the goalies that are going to make it. So it's just kind of those fringe guys in the forward group. And, you know, with John Tavares going down, with Pierre Engvall not ready to, to play yet, there's it's created a, a little bit more opportunity, um, you know, for a guy like Nick Robertson or a guy like Dennis Malgan, who's kind of an interesting case, having been a Leaf and then leaving for two years and, and lighting up the Swiss League and trying to make another go of it and trying trying to stick in the NHL. And then guys who are hanging on, like a like a Wayne Simmons or a Clifford. Like we, we saw in that preseason game, Simmons just absolutely lit up Thomas Shabbat and then fought Austin Watson, who is, you know, a pretty tough customer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a stage in Wayne Simmons' career where he didn't have to do that in preseason, right? He could save himself, but he said, this is, this is the first time I've gone to a camp and I felt like I've had to earn a job. And that, that's really interesting to me that, that you have these guys that are hanging on and then you have these guys that are trying to have a second life. And then you have young guys like Robertson that are trying to carve out a a niche on the, on this team. 
So, yeah, you tweeted about Robertson this morning, actually mentioned that he got a well-deserved uh, look on the second line. So is that kind of what we're looking at? Do you think penciled in day one? And do you think that's going to be an extended look? Or is that going to be like another tryout, essentially, for him early on in the season? Because I still have a feeling like he's a guy that if he doesn't stick top six, that they might send him back down again, especially being waiver eligible, which might affect his situation more than we might think with all these extra bodies around. Yeah, and Sheldon Keefe has already cautioned that. Like, he's already provided a little bit of a nugget there. Like, it's not going to be entirely based on merit. So a guy like Robertson, he he doesn't need waivers to go down. Um, That might hurt his chances of making the opening night roster. I think he's going to get some NHL games at some point. But right now, I I have him on the bubble. I'd like him in a top six role. I think that's, you know, the guy's a shooter. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of where he needs to be. But the question is, like, you know, even though he's he's bulked up a bit and he's got a bit stronger on his skates, he's still a small guy. He's still five foot nine, And there's other elements of his game that, that need improvement. Like, the, the offense is, is there, but it's can he be trusted for 200 feet? And if he's playing in a top six role, that's a lot of ice time. So does the coach trust him to play? play him that much the fail safe i think would be um yarn it looks like kerfoot's basically going to be the 2c until uh john Tavares gets back so for opening night i think sheldon would feel safest with kelly yarn in that spot uh second line left wing but um malgan has gotten a look there uh robertson's getting a look and it would be great i think for the leafs if one of these guys can can snatch that role because I think in a perfect world, when everyone's healthy, you want Kerfoot and Yarncroke down uh, on your third line. So give us a little bit of insight into the the play style of Callie Yarncroke. I mean, he's on a four-year deal. Leaf fans are going to get to know him pretty well. Um, I'm not sure that many Leaf fans really know what to expect uh, from a gar- guy like Yarncroke. Uh, how's he looking in camp? Uh, he's looking good, and he's you know he's just a utility guy. He's he's can play all over the lineup. He has experience playing both wings, center. Uh, he's going to kill penalties. That um, that that's going to be a, a big thing for them because if you think about them losing Ilya Mikheyev, um, who signed in Vancouver. He did, he spent a lot of time killing penalties. So they needed a forward to take up some of that slack, and Yarncroke's going to do that. Um, if they need him, he could probably pitch in on the, the second power play unit. His shot in, in the, that first preseason game, like that really impressed me because I was talking to some people in Calgary and where it didn't go so great for him. And they said the knock on him was basically he has no hands. Like he's, he's great in, uh, you know, getting in the corners, digging out a puck, be, you know, being smart, um, positionally, not sacrificing, um, uh, defense for the sake of offense like he's a responsible uh, player that the coaches tend to like but they were saying like he couldn't shoot it in the net and when he had a chance in tight like he just didn't have the hands to finish off plays so that's a bit of a concern so we'll see where that goes that's why I think that when everyone's healthy he's probably better suited to the bottom six but um, he's just he's going to be a guy that, that chips in like hopefully if he can get 10, 15 goals, I, I think you'd take that and, you know, get thrown out in a lot of de- defensive situations, including the PK. 
Yeah, so you mentioned all those things about not being able to hit the open net or finish a play. Does that sound all too familiar uh, to you? Uh, former <laughs> Leaf, played on the first line, was really good at digging pucks out and couldn't bury any. Am I ringing any bells here? <laughs> Are you talking about Nick Ritchie? No, I'm talking about Zach Hyman, man. Oh, I mean, Zach Hyman. Come on, right? Oh, Everyone was all learned over to score, Hyman. Though. He learned how to finish. So, got, so you think oh, our big guns on. could teach him how to score? <laughs> I mean, I'm not no, sure. What, what's the difference? in age between the two of them. They're similar. Hyman's a way way more impactful player than than Kelly Yarncrook's going to be. Well, I know that. I just meant like in terms of saying, well, he's got stone hands and he can't shoot it in. I mean, I don't know. We were able to develop, I guess at that time, a 26 or 27-year-old. So he's a little bit bit behind the clock, I think, on Hyman. No, that's that's true. And maybe, and you know what, maybe if he does get uh, some, some opportunity on the second line with with Nylander um, and maybe Tavares when he comes back, like maybe he, maybe he will, you know, like a, a lot of people can thrive in that situation, but it's going to be interesting, right? Like that is a, to me, that's a big hole um, because the first line is, is just so locked in. They have such great chemistry. They put up so many points that, you know, the fall off can't be too big when you get down to the second line and, and finding a guy that can, not only keep up with Tavares and Nylander, but hopefully enhance them, um, I think will be key. And I think I think we're going to see a few guys get a chance throughout the season at you know locking that position up, and Yarn Croak will be one of them. Yeah, I like that they have a lot of competition for that role, and it wouldn't even surprise me if we see a, a kind of a rotating cast on, uh, you know, just keeping guys on their toes, I guess. Uh, you know, with Malgan, I think is definitely going to get some opportunity there as well. And like you said, Yaren Croak. Um, one of the guys I'm really high on is this Alex Steves. Um, every time I mm. see him play, he's really impressive. So I just wanted to get your impressions on him and just if you think we'll see a little bit more of him up with the big club this season. Yeah, I think so. He got, he got three games last year, and I, I, I would say that he, he'll get um, definitely more than that. They, they like him. I asked Austin Matthews, like, who's caught your eye this camp? And he named Steve's as, as one of the guys that he's been really impressed with. And uh, I I had a long talk. I haven't, I haven't written this story yet. I'm, I'm saving it. But I had a long talk with Steve's last week. And this is a, a really focused kid. Like, he is dead set on trying to make this team and stick in the NHL. And that's his, that's his sole focus. And he has high expectations for himself because I, I I said you know last year was your first year pro and like you put up a lot of a lot of points in the AHL like were you kind of surprised at how well you did and he's like no hmm. he's like he said I I set goals for myself every year my goal was to be the highest scorer on the Marlies and I almost did it wow like that he's uh, he's a confident kid and and yeah he's he's impressing uh, his teammates already same thing though right he. Uh, he doesn't need waivers to be sent down, so that that'll probably hurt him at the beginning. But I would like I would imagine he'll get called up at some point. Pretty nice too. He's well rounded. You look at the stats from the Marlies, twenty three of each goals and assists. Yep. So not just, you know, padding the stats with the secondary apples. I mean, he's actually out there getting it done, shooting it into the net. Um, speaking of another player that has recently showed us that he's pretty good at shooting it in the net is Mitch Marner. Um, mm. I wanted you to talk a little bit about this whole defenseman thing. You, you <laughs> said 6D, we know who they are. You're obviously not counting Mitchell Marner in there, are you? <laughs> so, yeah, I should say 7D. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it, well, 
okay, a couple things on this. So people get got quite excited when when they see oh Mitch Martin they're going to try Mitch Martin as a defenseman. Shocking. It's it's going to be just situational, right? When they need a goal to tie up the game. Uh I hope I actually hope we see it tonight in preseason just you know now that they, he's been taking some reps there in practice and everyone's been talking about it. I'd like to actually see it in action. But the reason why is because often when they're in the offensive zone, he kind of hangs around by the point anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're so um, short on right shot defensemen. Like this Lilligren injury has kind of underscored the fact that they got Justin Hall and end of list. They mm-hmm. don't even have anyone in the Marlies that's a right shot that has any NHL experience. So when by not addressing that need and, and just kind of rolling with all these lefties, uh, it's created, um, I, I guess, uh, it created this idea in, in Sheldon Keefe's head and he approached Marner with it and he was all for it. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's just easier to keep the puck in the zone. Like when you're, you know, if you're the right shot and, and they're rimming it around or trying to get it out, it's easier to, to hold the blue line. And that's something Marner can, can do really well. He's also just such a smart player and, and has, and is such a great skater that I think he'll be able to adapt. My worry is though, like if if he is taking a shift on D and you're the opposition and you get possession, why would you not just dump it into Marner's corner and and take try and take a run at him on the forecheck like that? That would be my concern. Yeah, I would expect that that would be how our opponent our opponents want to exploit that. Um, I think it's interesting too, just because it creates another space up there up front. You know, I, I would assume they would throw, you know, say Nylander out there with Bunting and it, Matthews. It would be Nylander, yeah, yeah, You're exactly right. Okay, yeah. yeah, and it makes a lot of sense too, just from having you know that's basically where Mitch is playing the whole power play, top of the cir- tops of the circles or kind of on the half wall there, um, you know, looking for distribution opportunities. Uh, I did want to get your thoughts as well. Hold on. Oh, sorry, I, I you got, got something? Yeah, okay, sorry. Go I got one more on that for you, Luke. Um, I'm not surprised at all to see the Marner on D. Like, I know it's kind of a, a just a bit of a ha-ha. But when you look at it more in, in, in depth, like Sheldon Keefe rolled out five forwards on the power play back in, like, 2007 for the, mm. for the Lumber Kings. And at that point in time, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is absurd. You know, like, what's he doing? He doesn't even have one defenseman back there. Well, the, because that's why. You know, it wasn't like all the time, but it was just a moment in time where I'm going to throw out my five best players, and they all happen to be forwards. Um, so same idea with the Marner thing. I'm going to throw Mitch out there because he's already doing something that a defenseman might be doing, or positionally speaking, he's there. But um, I, I think it it leads a little bit more, and I think you said in your article, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said something around the the lines of where, like, just a cohesive unit on the ice instead of, you know, everyone plays their position and you don't vacate your position. You're all working together as a five-man unit. Is that right? Yeah, and even even in normal five-on-five play with two defensemen, like, Keith is a big proponent of uh, having his D-man pinch down low. Like, he's all for it and having the forwards cover. So, he, you know, he likes the fact that you know, there are moments where it feels like we're all working together, changing positions when we need to, and kind of blurring the lines between forward and D. And he actually brought up 
you know, Kale McCarr, who's gone the other way, like the way he plays sometimes, you'd think he was a forward, even though he's a defenseman, and just kind of how those those lines are, are getting blurred. And, and Marner, I mean, the way Marner plays, he's kind of like a rover anyway. Like sometimes mm-hmm. he'll he'll cut in a direction you you totally don't think he's going to. Um, he's you know he's very defensively aware. He's been on that first uh, penalty killing unit for a long time, and his instincts. Uh, in terms of picking off passes is, is great. Uh, yeah, again, my, my worry is if they end up somehow end up hemmed in their own zone and then, you know, Marner's trying to box out a guy in front of the net because he's yeah, one of the, one of the two defensemen because he has to. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, I guess, he, you know, he's weighing the risk, right? Because if if he's thinking about using them when they're down a goal and um, maybe you're going to lose the game anyways, and you have a better chance to score with when you, with four forwards out there. And you're talking about the five forward power play. The Florida Panthers used that for a while last year when Aaron Ekblad was hurt. Right. So it's not it's not completely unheard of. And and I I don't know. I, I like I like the fact that they're at least willing to experiment. Like let's see it. You know, we got 82 games of this team. True. Uh, we we need some some spice, some something uh, interesting to talk about, and uh, you know, experiment with because there's very few new faces, and really they're not going to be judged until what they do in the playoffs. So. I don't mind it just for a, like a fun side story right now. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of the evolution of the game. And I did pull up the line. I liked it a lot in your article when you said um, it signals another baby step towards position-free hockey. Yeah. And Lesko and I have had that exact conversation uh, several times on, well, it, on the podcast. It reminds me of that Soviet-style fluidity where yeah. just guys just go where you got to go. You know, there's there's places you need to be, and guys are just cycling constantly, and mm-hmm. it's it really conducive to that possession style of hockey that I think we've seen the Leafs um, evolve towards in the last say five years under Keith, you know, especially. under Keith especially, and just with talented guys who can handle the puck. And Sergei Fedorov, you're talking about the Russian. Sergei Fedorov did that for a while. Yes. There was a time when he was taking some shifts on D. It takes a special it takes a special talent, right? Like I like the positionless hockey. Um I, I think that there are times for it, but it you know, not every forward can do it, right? Like we we were asked when this came up, we started asking some of the other players about how they would feel and they're just like, Oh, I, I suck at skating backwards. I would, you know, I'd panic type of thing. So uh, not, it's not for everyone, but Marner's uh, uh, the kind of guy that it might be able to work. All right. Well, before we move on from it, let me ask you one question then. Yes or no? In 50 years from now, we will still have left wing, right wing, center, lefty, righty. Oh, I think, so. I, yeah, it's a good question. I think so. Okay. But but I I, I do like the idea of it. Be like, we are ch- the other thing that's changing. Remember, the centerman used to always take every draw, right? And now, now it's like a lot of teams, especially in the top of their line, they have two guys capable of taking draws, depending on whose strong side it is. So, like, you're the winger, but you always take the draws on your strong side, and like it, the lines are getting blurred. But I don't know. You still have to, you know, for faceoffs and. There, there still has to be some structure, I think. You're still lining up somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. That's a weasel's way out, Luke. Now the most <laughs> you weaseled your way out of that, and I won't. I don't even know if I'll be able to call you. I don't know what episode we'll be on then. Let's Fifty go. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to have you on, and you'll be like, hey, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> 
one of the more intriguing storylines we have here, obviously, is with the goaltenders. I think that position won't change too much unless they're just wearing bigger gear. Um, I just, so obviously, I want to get a feel for what you think uh, the Leafs' outlook is in net with looking at this Murray-Samsonov tandem as opposed to the Campbell-Murazic tandem we went in with last year. Because I'll be honest, like I'm feeling a bit better about it going into the year at least. And uh, hopefully you can tell me why. I'm fist pumping in the background, Luke, because I'm, I'm driving the hype train. Let's go. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I think it's a gamble, to be honest. Well, of course. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Like, uh, like, and it's one thing to gamble on one goalie, but I think they're gambling on Both. two. Yeah. So the Ottawa Senators could not wait to get rid of Matt Murray. The Washington Capitals were trying to trade Ilya Samsonov, couldn't find anyone to take him, so then they just didn't qualify him as an RFA. Like their form both the former teams of these guys wanted nothing to do with them. So that to me that's you know, it raises a flag. But the flip side of that is they both should be very motivated and have and they have lots to prove and lots of reason to be at, at their best. They've put in it. They've put in lots of work. Both arrived in Toronto well before camp started to to spend time with with the um, new goalie coach Curtis Sanford. Um, get used to the city. Get settled. Hang out with their teammates. Both these guys are, are kind of all business. You know, um, I think for Murray, health is is such a big factor. It's been years and years since he's carried a starter's workload right like since he's played the majority of started the majority of his team's games right the fact the fact that he has a, a concussion history multiple concussions and uh, we all know like what once you've had them you're more susceptible to them that would be concerning to me i mean they already tried going with an injury prone goalie in peter mrazic and what happened he got injured three times mm-hmm. and that is now in Chicago. So Murray's injury history concerns me a lot. Um, Samsonov seems really excited. I, I really like his attitude. And a couple times I've talked to him, you know, he, his English isn't great, but he's like game to try. And, uh, you know, he, he seems really into this idea of betting on himself, only a one-year deal. Um, very, I think it's, Money-wise, I don't think he's a big risk at all. It's just you're banking on on two guys that, to me, are question marks. And, uh, you know, it's been said, like, the Leafs don't need, you know, elite, elite goaltending. If they had average goaltending, they can score their way out out of their uh, most of their issues and be fine. Um, I, I just think it's it, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with these guys. But I think you've zoned in on the fact that realistically, the I don't, maybe I maybe I shouldn't say the only concern, but the the major concern for Murray is injury. So, assuming he's in the pipes, I mean, he's definitely more than capable of providing the Leafs average to above average goaltending. I mean, as long as he's in there, I think we can be confident in in the play that that he's going to deliver. And I think the start matters. Like, especially in this market, I think if either one of these goalies gets off to a shaky start, whether it's letting in, you know, just the, the soft, the softy or the, or the, the back, 
you know, the back crusher, like, um, you know, tight game. And then you let one squeak through and it looks bad. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be a story. And I, and I could see the fan base turning on them quick. So I think that the start, how the goalies start is going to really be important for this team. Yeah, I think um, the fans are ready to pounce on the goalie move, especially because that was the headline move of the summer was the big yeah. shift there. So I feel like you're right with that start thing, just for what it could do for a guy's confidence and psyche. All the Totoso fans are going to be jumping out and be like, I Totoso, Julian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the worst. And I was almost one of those guys, Luke. Like when, So when the rumors were swirling about Murray, I was like, no, there's no way. And even if there is... It's terrible. You know, I hated every minute of it. And then it happened, and I hated it even more. And Lesko and I talked about this. Was it last episode? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I I actually stopped talking to you for a couple of days because you were so (laughs) annoying. Like, you were so negative about it. And I was like, well, you know, the Leafs did this to me. Like, they did this to me. They turned me into this fan that's like, well, we're never going to be any good, so might as well screw it anyways. You know, oh, Murray. Oh, here we go, Murray. And I was just, I was such a hateful SOB. I couldn't handle it anymore. And then I immediately changed my mind, and I'm on the Murray hype train. I'm ordering a jersey. <laughs> my emotions well, it, were ranging. He's he's going to be, if, if he has success, it is going to be a pretty cool story. Like, this was his, his dad's favorite team, and like, He's talked about when he first signed here, we, we talked to him and he was saying, you know, that when he was a kid, you know, he'd, he'd stay up on Saturday nights with his dad, who's, you know, kind of recently passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but how much it meant those nights watching the Leafs with his dad meant to him. Like, so th- there's a, an emotional attachment to this team as well. You know, it, it was, it was something he said, you know, even though it was preseason to, to be in that dressing room and pull on that sweater for the first time um, the other night. So, you know, I think if he gets off to a strong start, I think there's there's going to be a lot of people in his corner. I think that's the most important thing, though. He has the passion. That's he what has yeah, the passion. Right? I'm all aboard, especially hearing that. And um, I think... You know, I think the one thing that I got Coleman on board with too, and I think I responded to his very negative messages he sent right away with two cup rings. Yeah. How many guys got two cup rings? And I, I believe the last Leaf goalie to have a cup ring was Eddie Balfour, and that's the last time we won a damn series. So maybe we could build on some of that momentum. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, his playoff pedigree is uh, what the first thing, you know, Kyle Dubas talks about that Sheldon Keith talks about his teammates. Like they don't have a lot of guys in that room with ranks. I mean, they got Jake Muzzin, but they, they don't have, and now they have Obey Kubel, but they don't uh, have a lot of guys that have been to the top of the mountain. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that carries weight in that room. Okay. I be- I agree. I mean, I the the fact that he has the passion is all I need. Um, quickly uh, before we let you go, Luke, I'm assuming we got you till maybe uh, puck drop or so, just before puck drop. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, cool. Um, one more for you, and then we're gonna give you some rapid fire. We we did you not know this right? We didn't hit you with rapid fire last time you were on. We were spared it. me. I spared, spared yeah, me. We spared you. So that's not going to be the case today. Okay. So get ready for rapid fire. But before that, uh, the Sandine negotiations, I thought this was super interesting. Is this honestly a case? And from, and I know you don't know everything, Luke, but your, your, your boots on ground from what you gathered, was this a situation where the actual hockey player 
said something during the negotiations and said, I want this done? I, my understanding is he, yes. Once he saw, once he, he saw the preseason, saw a defenseman going down, uh, my understanding is he said, okay, let's, let's play. That's passion. Because, because you think about what he signed for, two times 1.4. Right. That, that deal, more or less, was on the table at the same time Timothy Lilligren signed his deal for that exact same salary. The slight difference is that Sandine's year two of Sandine's deal is uh, 1.6 in actual dollars, which means that his qualifying offer next time he turns RFA has to be 1.6. It's a little bit more than the 1.4. But, I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs here. Uh, Kyle Kyle Dubas drew a hard line in the sand, and I think it's because he – you know, we did the math with Brendan Pridham and crunched the number and said, this is how much money I have to spend on Sandine uh, on a two-year deal. If it's going to be one year, it's going to be even. I think it was going to – his off his uh, offer to Sandine was under a million dollars. It's like, this is how much I have for two years. This is how much I have for one year to make it work because lurking in the background is – they still want to get Zach Aston re-signed, right? Mm-hmm. He's still only on a PTO. I think he's uh, – my bet is that he will sign a one-year deal for probably a shade under a million bucks. But I think they want him to be part of the plan, and I think they should want him to be part of the plan. So it's just like we don't have enough money to give Sandina a massive raise. And, you know, in a game of chicken, essentially, Sandine blinked. But I think good on the kid, like – Get in the camp. There's ice time available. Go go after it. Yeah. And if you have and if you have two great years, you're going to get your money. You're yeah. good, you'll get paid. If you perform, you'll get paid at at some point. And look at the opportunity you might be missing. Like yes. to be on this club, to be on this club. Okay, you're not in a contract stalemate with the Arizona State Coyotes. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know? where do you think he is right now, Luke? Because I, I I think going into camp, like even I kind of had him penciled as like seventh. So I, I'm wondering if he wasn't sure, uh, and then with those injuries going down, he's like, "Hey, well, I'm going to play right away. I know that for sure at this point. I, be- I might as well get out there." So, but where do you see him factoring in the lineup, especially with all all that depth on the left side? Yeah, well, so far at camp, he's been skating on the right side. He says he's fine. Just you know, I have to prove myself. Uh, the or you know, in a perfect world, the organization likes him on the left. And I think he likes to be on the left, but right now he's skating on the right with uh, Jake Muzzin, um, and that looks to be penciled in as as the third pair. But I think they're gonna, and then he should also quarterback. I would I would like to think he also quarters back quarterbacks uh, the second power play unit. He might get shifts there as well, depending what it, unless they want Giordano to do it. So um, yeah, I mean he's gonna get plenty of opportunity, but the. The runway is open for him if he performs to get into the top four, I think. Okay. And I think that's a perfect spot for him. That's a good, not necessarily a ceiling for the player. You want to have a higher ceiling. I can be top two minutes. That's what they expect. But I yeah, that's, that's good, their though. trajectory that probably be good. for him. I'm happy with that. Okay, on to uh, rapid fire. Okay, Luke, uh, let's go. Do you want to ask, and I'll put in the answers, or do you want me to ask, and you tell me? Oh, yeah, because we have to record them to yeah. rub in his face. What do you want to do? You want me to ask, or do you want to ask? I'll, I'll ask questions. Okay, here we go. Okay, you ready, Luke? Okay. 
Over under 56 and a half goals for Matthews. Well, 70's over, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, layup. So layup. That's way too easy. I only, ch- I know. <laughs> Is but that I- like the line? Yes. You looked that up? That, yes. I thought that was low. Okay. I know. I should have changed it. Um, whatever. Team save percentage over under 908.5. Uh, under. I, I, I kind of agree. Like, as high as we are, the goalie's as excited as we are. I kind of agree. Um, more points. Matthews, Marner, Bunting, or Giroux, Derbrincat, and Stutzla? Oh, come on. More layups. Matthews, Matthews Marner, Bunting. The yeah. only reason why that question is in there is so when my buddy Ryan listens to the show, he will hear that answer and how you answered it because he is he bet me. We have a bet. A financial oh, really? bet is on the line that those three are going to beat our three. Wow. Wow. Is no, right. come on. Ma- Matthews and Marner, like – yeah, you're talking about like two of the top ten hockey players in the whole world. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not a smart bet. So uh, another Sens one, oddly enough, Sens in playoff contention with ten games remaining. With ten games remaining, like they're not eliminated, right? Yeah, okay, like not technically eliminated. I don't have them as a playoff team though. I think the division's too strong. I I love what they're off season, but they haven't approved enough for me to be a playoff team largely because I don't think their defense is deep enough. I'm with you on that one. Uh, biggest off season acquisition for the Maple Leafs. Oh, like, well, the most, Im- the most, most important one is, well, it better, it better be Matt Murray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good answer. <laughs> All right. True or false. The Leafs will make a big splash at the deadline or throughout the year. True. All right. Oh, That's exciting. I love it. Can you elaborate at all, or do you just want to leave it at that? <laughs> He's working on Let's an article. It at, it's rapid fire. Okay, Let's okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're drawing it out. True or false, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe will remain at their current positions, regardless oh. of the outcome in the playoffs. Regardless, Luke. Oh, regardless, false. Oh, false. God damn okay. it. Uh, true or false, games at Arizona State will be fun. Will be fun? Yes. Oh, I think true. Yes. Well, I got to wait for it to be fun. No, it'll be fun regardless. It's going to be a road, fun time. For a road fan. Uh, true or false, the Leafs will win a round. Oh. Deep breath. True. Oh. Thank you. That's the right answer. <laughs> yes. How many regular season games Nick Robertson play this year? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to say... 32. Oh, that's very good. That that would be good for him. I think that would be a good step. And the most important question. Last one. Your favorite Coolio track. <laughs> My favorite Coolio track. Oh, it's probably, I, I think I got to go with Fantastic Voyage. I figured because you, you, uh, you snuck that into your intro of your last article, and I did appreciate that. Yeah, no, I was I was pretty into the when it came out. I was into that. It takes a thief album. Yeah, yeah. I went through a good deep dive the other day and and realized he had way more bangers than I thought. Like just that that West Coast sound in the early '90s. It's just it's something else and a little more like kind of more wholesome of a rapper you might say than the than what was big at the time. Yes, yeah. He was trying to. He was definitely trying to make some like 
pop songs. But then Gangster's Paradise just blew up massive. And I think he that's was, the obvious answer for some people to that question. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. 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 But I'm about um, as basic bitch as you'll get. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my wife would answer for sure. Well, he was it. He was in the go dig up uh, WC and the, the Mad Circle. He was part of. He was one of the members of the Mad Circle, uh, and that that was a group before he went so. That's the group he was in before he went solo. And they started and like a, the late seventies, early eighties. Is that right? No, no. Like we're talking late late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Yeah, um, and w, WC went on and formed uh west side connection with ice cube and he's like a west coast legend but coolio was like one of his protégés um so yeah if you go way back there's there's some bangers from the the old school coolio days too I'll definitely have to check those out. Yeah, I was listening to an interview with him on Shade of 45 the other day. It was like throwback to 2015, but he had mentioned, I think he said the first time he had joined a rap crew was in 79. I was like, holy shit, it's a lot older oh, really? than I thought he was. Yeah, it was, oh. uh, if, you go, if you have Sirius, it was an interview with Rude Jude on Shade 45 uh, from okay. 2015. It was, it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about coming up and just how he was getting started and uh, also was just his interactions with a lot of those big West Coast players back in the day. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I was – go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead, Luke. Well, I was, I've, I've been listening to um, uh, the Paul pod on Shade 45, and they've, they've been uh, – he's been interviewing – it's uh, Paul Rosenberg's uh, Eminem's manager, and he's been interviewing all these people that – uh, played a role in Eminem's career, and it's been pretty interesting. Well, I'll definitely have to check so that recom- out. That would recommendation be sweet. For you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Luke. Well, thanks, as always, for coming on the show and answering all our questions, ridiculous or otherwise. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back in the future, see how you did on the rapid fire. And, uh, man, just keep doing what you're doing. We enjoy your content. We love your articles. And, uh, you know, keep those boys uh, toes on the coals, eh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. This, is, this has become a, a fun little uh, annual tradition. Hey, right on, Luke. How about a biannual? Maybe we'll start having you on before the playoffs, okay? Because you basically guaranteed a playoff victory this year. So we got to have you on to preview the playoffs. How's that sound? <laughs> okay, sounds, sounds good. Let's All right, man. Happen. Listen, enjoy the All game right. tonight. It's going to be a good one. And thanks again for joining us, as always. All right. Take care, guys. Cheers. Thanks. All right, Luke Fox Jukebox. There we go. Catch him on Twitter at Luke Fox Jukebox. Um, yeah, I think honestly, right there at the very end was the most heartfelt, honest thing that you that you'd love to hear on episode one hundred was, man, I'm I'm really enjoying this. That's what I like to hear. Like I'm really enjoying. You know what, guys? Like he almost said it like it was a surprise. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you guys are doing a fucking podcast in your garage. You know, like nothing. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying, uh, coming on and chatting with you guys. So that's great. I mean, he's a, he's a great chat every time he's on, he, he really knows his stuff. You can tell that he's got his, uh, nose to the grindstone, his ear to the ground. And it's, it's, it's cool, man. It's really cool to ask him a question and have him say, well, I was talking to Matthews the other day and yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's pretty cool. Like that's uh, what one degree of separation. We yeah. don't, we haven't, we haven't had Austin Matthews on the show, yeah. but we basically have had Austin Matthews on the show. You know, it's definitely cool. Cause especially having guys like him on who are, who are there. Cause 
even if you follow their content or you follow them, the team daily, you get those little nuggets. You get those little tidbits you might have missed. And uh, he always brings something great to the table. And I always learn something having these guys on the show, um, you know, who are so involved in the league or or, uh, or with the team. So I certainly appreciate it. And uh, and I love also we always got to throw him some hip-hop questions because he's yeah. a major hip-hop head. And uh, and I always appreciate his insight on that. And I'm glad you, you do that. If you that. follow him on Twitter, he throws out the odd album review. He writes them from some other website. Yeah. And he just does. Uh, he does uh, like he'll review a lot of like uh, albums like throughout the summer. I guess when he's got a bit more time with the hockey beat being a lot quieter. I'm really glad that you do that because it is a wicked non-hockey related conversation to have and the main reason why it's wicked or awesome is because you can tell that he's like really enjoying it and very knowledgeable right like Like when you ask him something about that you can tell immediately not that he's not enjoying the rest of our conversation but you can really hear him perk up eh when he's like oh oh uh," you know you can really tell that he that he loves his hip-hop and i'm glad that you're able to chat with that with, or with him about that because yeah. I, I'm out in left field. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. over here sharpening my pencil or something while you guys are talking. Well, and I think there's a there's an appreciation for it amongst his fan, like the people who follow him and read uh, his articles. Because, like I was saying, he he threw a nod to Coolio in the, the intro to his most recent article that was out on October first. Read that Sportsnet.ca, and uh, he also. Um, uh, Every time he throws out a mailbag for questions, I'll I'll throw a question on there, and it's always, it's usually something rap related, not hockey related. And I I usually get thrown into the article there. I think the last one was I he put one in August. I think it was. I asked him what was favorite album of the summer, and he he rhymed off a few different things. So in the article, and it's all, often stuff that I don't necessarily have have heard of. Right, so okay. I, I it always gives me something to listen to. So oh, I, enjoy I like that. that. Yeah, cool, man. Right on. Well, listen. Um, do you want to roll on with a few other things, or do you want to shut her down? It's I really want a couple to topics, and uh, I guess just because they're current. Um, the first one I did want to shout out this kid. I don't know if you saw this story in Nepean. Triple A. No, six goals. Oh, six goals. Two apples. Eight points in an eight-two victory. Okay, wow. so. This is kid's name's Harry Nancy or Nancy. I don't know how to pronounce it, so excuse me if I'm getting incorrectly. Okay. He plays U18 AAA for the Nepean Raiders in the Hockey East League. The Raiders. Yeah, and so he's 15. Okay. That is the the real kicker about this story. So he he set a league scoring record with eight points and a league goals record with six goals in a game. I did see that come across. I think NHL tweeted that. Oh, yeah. It made the rounds. Yeah. It made the rounds from media. So a little local content for us there. I just wanted to shout the kid out because that's unbelievable. Keep an eye out for him, I guess. Uh, probably be, uh, I guess there are a few OHL scouts making their way down to the PN after seeing that headline. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt they will be. Cool, um, man. Good for him. In bad news, we'll move on to Hockey Canada. Oh, in other news, Hockey Canada is a disgusting joke again. Oh, my God. Dig up, stupid. <laughs> so, no kidding. Uh, the Globe and Mail got a hold of some information, um, and Rick Westhead, of course, tweeted it out. So it turns out there's another fund. Another one, like a as DJ like Khaled a ba- would like say, a, like a <laughs> another one, yeah. like a backup, like a I, so or this like is a, like a regional fund for apparently for the provincial like OHA or whatever can access. So they have their national fund, right, and then they've got a, a regional fund basically that the 
provincial associations uh, can draw from, I suppose. So the gold medal, I'll just go through it here to give the details, the nitty gritty of it. Um, so there's a second stash of money with 7.1 million from this national equity fund, which was the fund that they were paying out the sexual assault lawsuits with, among other things. Which was our and they minor hockey fees. Our money hockey fees. And then more of those fees get funneled into this other one called the Participant Legacy Trust Fund. Really sounds, that really tells you everything you need to know about it, right? Right. And uh, it's all built with player registration fees. So this is the weird thing too. They had an opportunity to... I guess, talk about this uh, during their testimony and otherwise and just kind of glossed over it. And again, you see it on a, a ledger or a balance sheet and you see this fund and you don't look twice at it, right? Like, oh, some investment fund or, you know, holding sure. fund or whatever. Sure. So the Globe actually asked them, they specifically asked Hockey Canada about the trust and the, all they said was it, it was used to address injury claims. But then when the Globe looked at court documents, it said specifically listed sexual abuse. Specifically, like, wait, like that's what it was. That's what it was reserved for, or they found they found court cases involving. No, they sexual they abuse. found like a court filing, I guess, some kind of legal disclosure that said money was earmarked, and I quote, for matters including but not limited to sexual abuse. Oh my god! So it was proactive, and they were asked about it, and they fucking lied about it. But that's what I was trying to ask you to clarify. Like it was proactive, proactive. Like we have money, we're sitting on it for sexual abuse because we know it's a thing. So that's what uh, man. That's what's interesting to me about this story. This is wild. Is that? They, it's like internally they've acknowledged that this is a problem and has been because this goes back to the 90s again. This has been in existence since 1999. Right, and right? money will and just make it go away. And it's away. also designed to cover for a larger period of time, right? Jeez. And that this is also something that, that was supposed to expire in 2020 and they renewed to continue this into 2039 or something like that, right? So again, this whole issue of transparency, the government is coming at them some more about you know, people paying for this and not knowing about it. And once again, they've got no answers. So it's, it's weird too, because it's like you go online and this is just the fourth time in the last four months that it's like, I've seen the same tweet over and over again from so many people, burn it down. Yeah. Because like, it's exhausting. I couldn't believe, I was just shaking my head reading that article this morning. Just like at this point in the game, the only action for what really is irreparable damage or irreputable irreparable irreparable it's a tough one i'm struggling with the words lately <laughs> ever since i shut my blog down it's been downhill jeez the only way to save any face is is to burn it down and start from scratch like you're going to lose all these courts and lawsuits and everything else okay like we all know what's going on here mm -hmm. the only course of action at this point is to Tear it down completely and start from the ground they up. They might even have to rebrand. With new people. Like, when are we talking rebranding? Like new name, new logo. Like this is pretty. You're right, dude. And not that that shit even matters, but that's probably the direction it's going to head when I think the dust settles. And But I don't just, I still don't see in it, and we talked about it a few episodes ago, how anything changes till any personnel changes, till there's any real proactive steps organizationally it's it's like they acknowledge there's an issue of sexual abuse and they're like okay well we'll just hold on some money yeah money and will it, make it and go the money away. is only there to shield 
uh, players and personnel from legal re- and financial repercussions. Not, not, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like if I'm the guy you know, who's paying for this, which is everybody who's paying for hockey right now, and some piece of shit player from Junior X team goes and does whatever, I don't want to pay for that. Yeah. I want him to fucking pay for it. Yeah. Right? Like that's the worst. I think that's the worst. One of the worst parts about this is that they just do not see it as a problem that they could be proactive about. They're like, well, we'll just we'll just bail us out when we need bailing out. We'll settle out of court and sweep it under. Same old, same old. I mean, we beat this one to death already, but So let me ask you though. Ugh. Do you Ugh, think do, do you think do you think the players that are involved in that was it the twenty eighteen one? Mm-hmm. Um do you think that the players now that are currently under NHL contract, because there are we know this. Yes. And I believe it's been reported that there are seven NHL contracted players. Do you anticipate that these players will be named publicly? Hmm. Or do you anticipate that more money will be thrown at it and we will never know that insert player's name that I won't do right now on this show, insert player's name, is still in the NHL? Right. And we don't know if it was him or not. I don't think we ever will. And that might be worse in in a sense, whereas we're like, because there's a couple of guys that I've honed in on yeah, in me following too. the story and that the uh, they gave the no comment, can't comment answer. Right. But not the uh, other players who came out and said, I had no involvement in this or I participated there. at the time. I wasn't there. Yeah. We got a lot of... No comment from a, a few people of note. And if you're listening and you follow the show closely, you probably know who we're talking about at this point. Right. That there are some serious allegations surrounding them. But I don't know if we'll ever know. And this are, might be as much as we'll ever know in terms of what happened, who, who's yeah. guilty or you know who's yeah. not in this scenario, especially because they're trying to shield these guys still from legal liability, right? But dude, like there are impactful NHL players that are there like, are. that are likely involved here. There are. And if I'm you know, if I'm a GM in the league, I'm taking I'm taking a bit of a se- assessment, a character assessment if you will of those particular guys. So they're cleared publicly. Stay in your GM hat. They're cleared publicly. Do you want to know if it was one of your players? Oh, yeah. Do you think you have the right to know? You yeah. don't legally, though, right? You don't legally you don't speaking legally. because it's like, okay, so this that's the thing about settling out of court, right? There's no disclosures. There's no. It's not yeah. like a public trial and all this shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, there's, and that's the thing is this particular case was settled by Hockey Canada, right? For yes. For like $3 million or something like that. But now there's this other investigation, and now there's a police investigation. So if that police and get investigation gets anywhere, then we might find out some names. Now, we've got a lot of big money and a lot of big lawyers that are going to fight for publication bans and all that stuff to protect people, but that would be the best route, I would think, where we get names. But I, my question to you was, from the GM's perspective, you you wish to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've I'm, I'm got, I'm got PIs on these guys. Like, like, I'm digging. I'm digging. For some reason, we're not naming names. Okay, mm. I just feel like it's the right thing. But to do. you know, what? I do. I, tell I feel you. like it's the right thing to do. But let's just pretend. Sorry to interrupt you, but let's just pretend that it was Mitchell Marner. Okay, do we want to know? Do we want to know that it was Mitch? 
Does Dubis want to know if Mitch was involved? And if Mitch well, was involved, do we want to move him and shit? You know that's what I mean? That's a different question, right? It's tough. So if if I'm a I would say the average NHL GM probably doesn't want to know. Doesn't want to because they don't want to fucking deal with it. The same reason why Hockey Canada <sighs> didn't want to know, and these yeah, guys didn't. You know it's what it's I not mean? Like a, I do know what you mean, but it's not like a current GM can change the past. No, they can't, and that's why I think they don't want to know. And is booting one of your leading goal scorers uh, an, an option to rectify the problem? Right. Or are you just putting yourself behind the eight ball by making a terrible hockey move? Yeah, and the thing is, you're going to have to deal with the fallout either way. So you keep on whatever the hell you do. You're going to have to answer to it. People are going to ask you about it. You know, you're probably you're just going to avoid it altogether. No, Same but kind it, of no comment scenario. In my right? hypothetical, though, the public doesn't know. Remember, I was saying if, it, if it's settled. And oh, if the public doesn't know, then I definitely want to know. But if, I, if it's like, okay, I'm going to find out the same way everyone else does as GM, I would assume the average NHL D GM does not want to know. Right. but in Because the, they don't want to deal with it. But in the case where it's it's settled out of court and there are no names, you, the GM, do kind you want to know yeah, now. Yeah, because it's character. But then what do you do when you find out the information? That's up to you. I guess, yeah. That's up to you. That's a tough and question. And you're, you're in a position where only you know or you and your couple of guys or whatever in your office and you're like... And ownership, can right? Can we make a judgment call on this guy? You know, Do we want him to be part of our organization or not? I mean, do you, do you go as far as to say, hey, owners, hey, owners, we found this out. What What's yeah. your... What's your suggestion? I think there's a probably a good assessment of, of where that person is. And let me say this. If you're a guy who is on a thin leash as far as trust with your team or there are some questions surrounding your character, then something like this could snuff you out, could put you, yeah, we could ruin your career and deservedly so as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not yes. going to apologize for anybody fucking here yeah, on the podcast. Absolutely. Okay. Podcast. All right. Well, listen, man, I got one recommendation too. Okay. Well, I started so. watching the Probert doc documentary. Okay. Tough guy. Yeah. On I heard Amazon it's, Prime. I heard it's a difficult watch. It is tough to watch, and they have the audio. I read his book there. Um, okay. And they have the audio from when they recorded that. So it is one of those where they basically just interviewed him and then turn it into a book. Okay. And he is so candid about everything like he's basically laughing at himself for like driving over the border with a half ounce of blow in his pocket oh, like man. that kind of stuff and okay. he's just laughing like wow. he's just like oh he's so dumb like huh you know yeah and like he really like it's sad because there's just so much i mean the fighting's one talent he can score goals he was like you know a fan favorite and all this stuff and right. he just he just didn't give a fuck yeah you yeah. know it, it was like a lot of the, the fighters that they interviewed in the doc, they said, you know, I think one of the things that made him so tough and so such an incredible fighter was that he had no regard for his own well-being, but that was also reflected in his personal life. Right. I mean, the guy was 24 years old, like, going to rehab. Yeah. 24, with, a, like, a severe drinking problem. It's, it's just crazy. And, and also with it being a, from a different time, you say you're a younger fan, you know, you're in your early 20s. Really gives you an idea what late '80s, early '90s hockey was like. Yeah, and true. It's just a different breed. Yeah, that's true, man. That's sad, man. He, yeah, he was, he was off the rails early, um, and he had a difficult, like a difficult career. I was gonna say long and difficult career. I'm not quite sure exactly how long he played in the league, but whether it was five years or 15 years in the league, it was a long, yeah, time in the league. Not over time elapsed but what he had to do each and every night yeah. in the league made it a long stay as an NHLer 
Yeah, definitely an interesting story. And, and of course, with these guys being a dying breed, I think these stories are even more interesting because there's such a, a not even just a unique role in hockey and a, uh, uh, just unique in sports in general. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, listen, I'm going to take the opportunity that, of you saying something about Bob Probert to inject a Matthew Barnaby audio clip. Oh, Big- you, you <laughs> actually worked on that during the episode? No, I didn't. I don't have it with me right now, you right. moron. I mean, I'm going to do it after. Oh, you're going to inject it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to inject it. Because we, we stiffed him there. Yeah, we stiffed him. So I'm going to inject it right now. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure and nice talking to you. We'll get to a variety of different stuff, I'm sure, tonight. But, yes, I'm a huge NFL guy, huge New York Jets fan. And uh, now that they're 0-8, um, I'm just hoping for another loss and uh, hopefully the number one pick in the draft to give me something to – absolutely maybe enjoy for the last 30 years it's been a rough rough go as a Jets fan for uh for Matthew Barnaby geez you, you sound like a Leaf fan from 2015 <laughs> <laughs> very 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 similar the only the only difference is we we don't have the the tough game seven losses or tough overtime losses we we don't get that far so <sighs> maybe it's even it's worse to be a Leafs fan because the heartbreak is even more we're, we're succumbed to losing uh, at about game three, and we are we already start prepping for the next year in week three. God, kicked us right in the pants with the game seven. Matthew Barnaby, absolute beaut. 100th episode. Guy deserved a little bit of a shout-out, even if it was towards the end. Yep, absolutely. Guys, if you're still listening, thank you very much for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe that shit, share that shit, comment, whatever the hell you want to do. Follow us on socials and all that stuff. But don't spend too much on your time on your phone or Facebook. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, thought so highly of me that I would be able to get the oh, audio. You're busy over there. You always <laughs> twisting knobs and clicking buttons. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been, Not a, really, been yeah. a hell of a run at 100. We'll uh, hopefully see you guys at episode 200. Well, we'll see them before then. But yeah. you mean they're going to stick around. We're not going to stick around. They're going to stick Long-time around. Long-time listeners. Long-time First time, long time. Maybe we'll have to start doing some live call-ins someday. Yeah. I do feel like now that we've hit the pinnacle of 100, for some odd reason, like it's no different than last episode and it's not any different than our next episode. But I feel it but in my heart. I feel it in my heart. We have the passion. Okay? The Pucks in Deep podcast passion. We have it. And I feel like we're about to elevate. We're going to elevate. We're going to elevate at the right time when our leaps are also elevating. It's going to be a glorious time for us. Remember four years ago when we talked about starting a podcast because we might win? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe this will be the year. How are we supposed to ride coattails? They don't give us any coattails to ride on. But they give us misery and demise. I know. And people, some people like to listen to us suffer too. Of so course they do. It's a natural aphrodisiac. I mean, screw you, but thanks for listening. Pain and suffering is a na- natural aphrodisiac. Yeah. And therefore, the Pucks and Deep podcast will turn you on. I like watching that guy not catch the judge ball. <laughs> At first, I was laughing so hard. That poor guy. All right, folks. Episode 100, The Century Club. Like Lesko said, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again for episode 101.